in here. <gasps> oh. And we are live. Welcome to Friday and Friday Grief Chat with Jill and Deb. Yeah. Right there. I can't ever do this right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Jill. How I are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm not as sore as I, I've been giving COVID vaccines. I did twice, two half days. And um, learning more about people and places and things and, and connections and what's meaningful to people, even at times like this. Um, it, but it must be nice for people to actually see somebody different and have even that five uh, minutes with you to be like, oh, I got a person and they're touching me. You know, I got to tell you, the first week I did this, I was totally overwhelmed physically because I'm like going like this with and shooting and doing all these things. And, you know, that hasn't been activated for a while. But the yeah. weirder thing, because we even the governor came to see us. Oh, really? How exciting. Our governor, it was. And, you know, we have about... 50 to 50 at least volunteers in the room, in this big ballroom. Then we have, we give about a thousand to 1500 shots, injections a day in wow. this ballroom. It's a wonderful setup. But when it first opened and I was doing this, oh my goodness, I was so tired because I've been pretty isolated. And then all of a sudden I'm around lots of people, let alone, and I'll do this with the camera, let alone I'm right there giving you a shot. Right. And I was like, what? And what I found out in that early beginning, because there were all these sweet old people who have been isolating because it was 75 and older, then it dropped to 65 and then it dropped. But, uh, They'd all been isolated too. Oh yeah. And so yeah. they wanted to tell stories. And I like, at first I was like, no, I have to get all these shots. And I go, yeah, you know what? If I can spend a couple more minutes giving someone peace by them meeting a person. Wow. So that's, that's what a lot of it is. And I'm, I feel called to serve. I know I've said that already. And one of the ways I served are by um, a student in a, a college class yesterday after I did a presentation asked, is there anybody you cannot make laugh or you can't get to laugh? And the first thing I said was dead people. <laughs> I don't get them to laugh. The expression. I, yeah, yeah. Spoken by a true funeral director's wife, <laughs> however, or mortician's wife. However, what's more important than getting someone to laugh is to sharing a laugh or laughing with them, letting them have the power to put laughter energy out and me to be present to it. And that, that's oh playing with the people, you know, laughing with the people, uh, much more important than me getting them to laugh. I do get them to relax. I have a technique I do with giving injections and it's it's always worked for the least painful injection. Very rarely does someone have a painful injection for me. 
Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. You know, I've, I've worked with so many people who are at home and grieving alone. And so the moment that they get to go get an injection is not only such a relief. And out here, we're still at 85 or 75 and above, plus healthcare workers. Right. Um, I don't think we've even rolled in many of our teachers yet because there's just too many Californians. And um, they will say it was just so nice to be in a room with somebody oh. and to have someone ask how I was and mean it. And do you know what? The nurse even touched me on my shoulder. And that was the first time someone had touched their shoulder in months, uh -huh. some of them. Uh -huh. So those of you who are doing the stuff that Deb is doing, those who are out there giving the injections, you're not only giving the immunizations we all desperately need, but you're giving someone your presence. And if they are grieving, that presence is hugely important. Right. It matters almost as much as the, the getting the immunization does. It does. It really, really does. And that's, it took me a few times of doing it to realize what's more important is sharing. Yeah. Just, just being present. It, I don't know. No, it was, I probably talked about it from last week. It was hilarious. The last question I have to ask, of course, is, are you pregnant or breastfeeding? <laughs> so when this 75 and above Asian woman, she when I asked that, all the tension, she giggled for a full 30 seconds. And now I'm laughing and thinking, I'm glad I don't have any more after her because I have to pee because I was <laughs> laughing right along with her. It was right? great. It was. And, you know, that's what's important is whether it's, you don't even realize you're grieving loneliness. That's that's where I want to lead into. You don't even realize right grieving loneliness. Right, it's not it's just missing. It's unnamed. It is, and you know, but you know it when you start laughing and connecting, and you go like maybe you walk away. It's like riding a bicycle. You're not going to forget. Right. Well, maybe I will. The things that I thought in my head are said out loud in isolation. Maybe I shouldn't say those things out loud. You know, keep them in your head. Get that skill back, Deb. <laughs> We're going to all have to practice that. Right. But you realize it after you've left and then you go back to isolation. You go, oh, exactly. That's mm -hmm. what happens. So mm -hmm. it really is so hard to to be so isolated and for people to who are not isolated to get just how much that isolation means to people. Right. Realize I didn't turn my phone off and I want to make sure it does not ring. There we go. Okay. Oh yeah. We might <laughs> we might hear some ringing in the background. Sorry. That's okay. So yeah, it's it's for our folk for the folks I talk to who are grieving and especially those who've had a covid loss or two or three or four COVID losses. Exactly. They're getting the vaccination and they are so relieved. And yet it, it it's not a trigger. It sort of just remagnifies that loss because had this in vaccination been available just 12 months ago, they would still have 
you know, mom or sister or aunt or brother or child, somebody there with them. So they've been isolated, they've been grieving, and this is something that could have prevented all these losses. It's it's just such a lot to process. And then they go from this nurse who's giving them all the presents which they need. Back in their car, they're alone again. Back to the house, it's silent again. Mm-hmm. If you know someone like that and they just had their vaccination, not only call and see how they're doing, because sometimes you can get side effects, call and see how they're doing emotionally. Mm-hmm. Make sure you don't let that, that silence and that aloneness get magnified again when they walk in the door. Right, right. Um, in fact, uh, another minister said, oh, would you give me my vaccine? And I said, sure. In the beginning, I didn't want to vaccine my friends. Now I'm more comfortable. Stand so, up, I'll shoot you. <laughs> yeah, well, I am the only person on any given day with colorful hair. And I noticed one person wore another colorful scrub top. Other than that, everybody's been wearing their grays, their this, their blues, whites, whatever. But not me, because I never had those. Right. Right. And this will give it away. And I just love how you've got the blue and I've got the pink going. And you got to have yeah. some fun and some brightness. I, I do. I yeah. I, yeah, you too. So anyway, she said, oh, my gosh. What's it been about a year since I've seen you? And I said, Yes, it has. It has. Yeah. And to be in someone else's presence, wow. And like I said, I am a volunteer, a, uh, and even running like our, um, our Sunday services online. I don't get to see a lot of people. Now, this will show you how maybe starved I am. I saw a ball-headed man that sort of had the body of another friend. So I went up to him and I can't tell with the mask, right? Right. So when I go, I go, is your name Tom? And he goes, no. And I go, I know a Tom ball-headed guy, just like you. I was hoping it was him have a good day. You know, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> I thought you might be my friend, Tom. But you could so, be now. Yeah, nice exactly. You. You're from my exactly. town. We should know each other. Right? Exactly. So, yeah, we got it rolling out here. And um, there is still no money to pay people like me. So I don't know how many people will be dropping out because they were hoping, you know, to get paid. I'm still going to do what I'm doing because it it feels it's good to do it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm also moving those core muscles. A lot. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, is is what's your new one's name? Oh, we have um, we finally decided she's Dolly. Oh, so yeah, we adopted. Let me see if I can grab her. She's got to go to the vet this morning, so she's gonna have to go part way through. Let me see if I can get her up here. And your dolster. It's hard to tell because she's mostly deaf, but oh. this is the dolly. Oh, what an adorable dolly! She can't get a bath yet because she had major surgery on Tuesday. Yes. But, yes. Um, and she's way underweight. She needs to gain about eight pounds. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, when she gets lost in the house, because she's she's really active, she runs all over looking at things, and then she gets stuck in a room. And mm-hmm. she's got this bark that sounds like a hand wind World War II air raid siren. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what she sounds like. The rest of the time, she kind of grunts. Uh huh. She doesn't really have a bark; she has a grunt. So she makes her presence known. Yes, I see you. But you know, for us, it's our way of of having something we can do um, mm-hmm. all the time. But especially during the pandemic, she was on the street. She's quite old. We think she's ten, twelve, maybe a little bit older. Wow. So, wow. yeah, and they had to take a tumor off of her before she came home. Yes. So yes. she's now joined the fun bunch, and we try to figure out which language our dogs speak when we first get them. So mm-hmm. we try out several languages that are local languages, and she seems to speak English a little bit mm-hmm. um, to respond to it. And then she, we try out names, and she hasn't given us a clue other than she does respond sort of to Dolly. So we're sticking with Dolly. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But she's dead. So all mostly she deaf. We have to really get close to her and be really loud okay. for her to respond at all. Mm-hmm. So. And she probably feels vibrations. Yeah. So yeah. And she falls asleep and snores easily, which is what she's doing right now. <laughs> I can hear. Yeah, I'm you sorry, know, folks. This is what we hear when I'm working all day long. Um. Uh, one of I, I just want to say online because you have advertised this a couple times. The podcast, I'm so sensitive, or what is it? Um, sensitive. Oh my gosh, it's Patricia Young's right. podcast, right? Um, unapologetically sensitive. That's right. I could not, so I want to share it, but I could not click on anything to make Uh-oh. it come on. So double check the link. That's what I just wanted to ask you so I can share and we can share with our viewers more, more of those things. Uh, Something else I wanted to say, you know, I really love on Facebook. um, I love the pictures. Oh, I can hear Dolly. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, it's great. It's great. So I, um, it's called spiritual awakenings or something like that. And I post and repost a lot. And today it said, make, uh, uh, make choices that make you happy. And I added a part to that, which was maybe you can't always make your, make a choice that makes you happy. And I gave the example, euthanizing our pets when it's time. Mm-hmm. But you can make a choice that gives you a hair's breadth more, more peace. Mm-hmm. Because when you're dealing with grief, when you're dealing with uh, someone who is on hospice, when you're dealing with having to create a loss, right? That, that might even be a job. That might even deciding to get divorced, deciding to leave your, your partner, your spouse, deciding to leave a job. You're not making a happy decision. Well, but you're making a good ending. 
you're making you're having control mm -hmm. and in that control you can have a hair's breadth more peace and that's what i want to talk to uh to our listening audience today and and definitely chime in about making those teeny those big choices but also teeny choices to get through the day when you're grieving and you go i'm not i'm not showering i don't even want to get out of bed okay can you get out of bed to at least relieve bodily functions mm -hmm. that might be a big choice for that day it doesn't mean you're severely depressed you are in the throes of grieving right and those that do not grieve in that kind of heaviness can use such as some people say i didn't have any of that amen you don't right. have to have can you make a choice that furthers you one bit or not and these are not you know whole lifestyle do i have to get rid of all their clothes or do i feel bad because i want to get rid of all their clothes people really feel that you they know? feel guilty for that they do like you're just like okay they're not existing anymore that's what uh, you're afraid other people will think when that's not true your rate of integration of that loss is different than somebody else's or even in your own life it's mm -hmm. easier to get rid of your mother's clothes than your father's clothes it's easier to get rid of uh a spouse's than it is your own your pet's ashes you know it's easy it doesn't matter it's your decision so it's your process it's your process i thought maybe you could Riff yeah, on that. I was I was doing a, an in service for um, some teachers in a local district yesterday because we're talking about reopening schools and they're going to have a lot of grieving kids, and they're getting calls now saying more and more often that the kids that they have in their online classes have lost loved ones, very close loved ones, and they sort of wanted some what do we do with this and how do we talk to the kids about it, and a big part of that is letting everybody, including the small people have a process that's at their speed and understanding that if you've got three kids in three classrooms who've all had the same loss, they've all had three different losses. Okay. And if you're dealing with a parent who's parenting those three kids who've had that loss, then there's four losses. And the parent may not have energy for all the things that teachers or other people need out of them because they're in one part of grief, whereas kids grieve sort of micro bits. I'm sad. I'm not. I'm irritable. I'm okay. I really just want to play with my friends and you're a meanie butt for not letting me, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And mm -hmm. so you need to be ready for all the different state, not stages, all the different processes, all the different um, parts and places where people have stuck. Mm -hmm. And I suggested that if they're going to do writing assignments, that they could include some things about you know, important things they've learned from important people in their life. Because if someone has lost somebody, that gives them a place to put that. Mm -hmm. right? Well what, said. What am I going to take from grandpa or mom or my auntie, whoever it is that we've lost recently, for whatever reason, it doesn't have to be COVID, but it gives that space mm 
And then if they get to read parts of it out loud in the classroom, then they have that opportunity to um, be able to share that person and that role they had in their life. Uh -huh. I'm going to hand Dolly over because she's going to go to the vet. There she goes. Bye, Dolly. I hope she's not traumatized. She's going back to where she came from. Oh. But yeah. then she'll come home again. So we're going to be able to um, really help with with being able to do that. I wonder if at some point, and I might reach out to some of the schools in our area so that you can, or I could offer up some mini grief education and how to get the kids. Right. How do we get our kids ready for school and how do we help them do school while they're grieving? That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and how hard would it be sort of like, you know, the first things to go in education in money wise is the arts. Yep. Uh, just all the arts when actually the arts are another voice in which to express yourself, but they want to cut that off. It's either sports. Sports never goes very rarely, maybe a few sports go, you know, so I can't say for everything, uh, you know, to even give a 30 minutes once a week to expressive arts. That's why I get hired to speak at um, a couple colleges when there's an expressive arts class. And humor is an expressive art. Yes, and when I, last night, and I, I'll, like I said, I spoke and something the instructor brought up to me, she goes, you know, I don't know if all the humor you used before right off the bat is going to be good for the Chicagoland, Chicago area people. And I said, no problem. So my first three or four slides all had to do with, let's address this. I cannot ask you to laugh when you don't feel like it. Right. I can invite you to look at others laughing and to let the neurons, mirror neurons in your brain do what they do. And I explained that later on. And I said, here's a couple feelings you might be having. And I love this one. There is a space alien slumped on the couch, you know, just like, like this <laughs> on a regular couch. And it says, you know, some days I'm just peopled out. <laughs> Even during, you know, like I just don't have any energy for people, which that particular slide addresses the onslaught of Facebook vibrations and the, the uh, very hurtful humor that some people needed to relieve their stress, but it wasn't always appropriate for everybody, right? Some people at the wrong moment. Absolutely. So 
there's that. And then I had another, I had taken it from one of the famous pictures out there of the wildlife best pictures of 2020. And there is a water buffalo or water oxen, mm -hmm. a white bird. With the egret on top. With an egret on top. And there's this dripping of a white substance that very well could make you feel like you were just pooped on. Right. And, you know, that's another feeling, people. So I address that. And then I address, like I said, the teachers will need to address that elephant in the room mm -hmm. that there are so many people, so many kids grieving everything. And in so many levels and in so many ways. Right. And one person's grief looks different than another person's grief. And right. very frequently grief looks like irritability, especially for kiddos. Yes. But us too, we get irritable too when we're grieving and we've had a loss and we're just all done. Right. And so there's there's all the possible clashes that you can have. Right. If you have a place to express it. If just, they're really feeling it intensely and they need to do something really personal about it, we give them that space. And let, you know, give them a choice in 30 minutes mm -hmm. to uh, express it visually or verbally. You can make it, you can work it into a writing lesson. You can. When I've got teenagers I'm working with who are really feeling whatever that feeling is, and it may not be about grief, it may be anything. Uh -huh. And they're just, a lot of our teenagers now turn to, I need a tat. I'm going to do a tat for this. Except right. They're teenagers and sometimes they regret tats. I suggest that they get the, um, there are pins, there are pin sets that are about 18 to 20 right. pins. They're skin right. pins, they're safe for your skin. They won't right. put toxic stuff into you, according to the labels. And you can do amazing fine art lines with it. Yes. You, you can do mancalas, you can do um, a memorial, you can do anything with that. You can share it, it shows what you are feeling, but it doesn't have to last. And if you really like it, you can take a picture of it and turn it into something later. You could do that. You could draw your future tat. Yes. You on, your on your skin, on a piece of paper. You can scare your parents to death thinking you've run out and gotten a tat in the middle of a pandemic when you actually have just designed your own. And it's going to I love it. I love it. What a great idea. Great idea. It really and relevant. It, yeah. Yeah, especially for high school students. Mm -hmm. So for little people, we do artwork. Um, sometimes they want to do drawing. Sometimes they want to write a poem. I'm always surprised because that was never a go-to for me. But I've met some young poets. And the ones who saw the inauguration and heard that poet and saw someone young and relevant to them and who looked like them, uh -huh. that was just so exciting. And now poetry is is an avenue for them to express themselves, which uh -huh. is incredible. There's all kinds of ways we can do grief. We don't have to do sit in a group and talk about it. Although if you're right. in my group, I'm you're going to have to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but there's subtler ways to, yeah. ex to help others grieve as well as uh, identify uh, and you probably have known this as you are help others you become more self-aware of 
what you need to do. Yep. You know, this happens to therapists. This happens to teachers. Mm -hmm. This happens to, it's like you learn, sometimes when you're teaching, you learn what you don't know. Yep. And I, I, self-awareness at any time in your life is so important because that makes you a little more aware for someone else. It's you know, a there's growth. It, it is. And, and grief in particular is a great place to grow because uh -huh. when you have come to that realization that someone you love actually can leave this world before you, even though you were not planning on it, it gives you a little impetus to say, you know what? Time for me to figure out what I really want to do and play my grief card and go do it. Uh -huh. And it could be this or it could be this. Uh -huh. There's room for growth. And th that means being aware of how it's impacting you and what spots are empty that need to be filled in some new way. You know, uh, Daryl and I watched Hamilton again. And there is one of the songs, why do you always write like you're running out of time? Well, you <laughs> look at his dad died early, his mom, he had witnessed that. And I'm like, yeah, that's how I was. Dad died suddenly. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like, this could happen to me. Right. Yeah. At an and early age. Mm -hmm. At an early age. That was it. I'm like, yeah. So I, you have no idea how many early influences you have. It just don't. And how many early influences come from prior generations too? I just read an article, an epigenetic article about, and I hadn't heard specifically males, but the stress that your father had as an early at an early age gets trans there. It's a small study. So I'll say could be translated mm -hmm. through yours. And it actually makes more white matter. You want more gray matter than white matter. It can create early white matter. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? It is. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we saw that I, you know, I do genealogy just for fun because it's kind of fun to find out where you come from. My dad's dad picked up with my grandmother and they left Michigan right when they got married and got out of town, moved to Florida, and never looked back. I was clueless as to why I knew that my great great grandfather had died suddenly. It wasn't until this last couple of years when I connected with a cousin I didn't know that I realized he didn't die in some simple little accident. He died a really gruesome, horrible industrial accident death. And my grandfather was very young when it happened and he just was not going to stay. He never told my dad the way his dad really died. So my dad and our family were protected from that where my cousins whose, whose family stayed up there carried that with them. And so when I connected and they found out I didn't know, all of a sudden they had a whole, whole different experience, even though it wasn't relevant to any of us in terms of our growing up, clearly mm -hmm. it had been transmitted to them and it hadn't come to us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even in that level of trauma. So yeah, there's all kinds of ways we can carry this with us 
and that's why, sorry, Walter is mad. I hear him. Walter is complaining um, that we need to be able to share that and we need to be able to talk about it and we need to find something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to recognize that could even happen. Yeah. Yeah. To recognize mm-hmm. that that could even happen is probably... And then allowing yourself to think that thought. That's that's backing it up even a little more. Like you could you could lay uh, science out in some in front of someone, which is I'm sure has been happening all this time. Yeah. You know, we don't really believe in science the way you believe in science, right? Right. And so so to Allow yourself to believe the science when the rest of your family does not. Right. Wow. Wow. That's a biggie. It ends so. dividing families. And so we need to make sure we're keeping an eye on that too. And when we are taking care of folks as they are going through this, hopefully the last half of the pandemic, that we're finding ways to connect where we can. And if there are divisions maybe not smooth them over, but not make them such a thing that we can't ever come back together again. Because eventually it'll settle itself out. We'll come to yes. terms with it. In 1918, there were divisions. But there's lots of, of clear evidence of that. Mm-hmm. But by the 1930s, people were coming together over those losses they'd all shared in the 1918, 20 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. period. And for the teachers out there, as kids are coming back, We've all seen the the uh, the drawings, the funny drawings that kids draw overhearing their parents, right? Because right. it just comes, it just doesn't translate. They don't know the word or whatever, you know. Uh, I'm not going to say any of those jokes online, but they're <laughs> out there. They but are. I think, I think about the kids that have overheard their parents talking about other people. Mm-hmm. I used to hear, you know, so probably so. the worst, the worst, the worst thing I, not the worst thing, believe me, I did plenty, but I overheard my parents talking about the milkman. I wasn't, the milkman wasn't my dad, but I overheard them talking about the milkman. And the milkman, he would deliver these our milk, and inside the caps were um, were like tokens that you collected right. seven of them, and you could go to Kitty Land or whatever it was. So my parents said the milkman doesn't even bring his kids to Kitty Land, and he delivers the milk. Well, to a seven-year-old, that was that's a horrible injustice. What's that parent thinking that you're not? So the milkman came on. Oh, no. Deb, Deb, the fighter crusader for the underdog at seven years old. I pulled the milkman aside before my mother could get to it and said, I hear you don't take your kids to kitty land and you have all these milk tokens. What's up with that? You need to take your kids to Kitty Land. Well, 
my mother heard something. Um, let's just say, I don't remember exactly what, because, you know, when your mom gives you that look, you need to hide. Right. And, and so after I was taken out of hiding, and then something else incur, occurred and blah, 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 as it might, uh, I learned your parents don't want you to say something. So now kids are holding secrets. Yes, they are. They yeah. don't know what to do with them. They've heard their parents talking about whomever in the family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know my granddaughter tells me what other grandparents say. Uh, she tells me what her parents say. I know she repeats back to her parents what I say. Right. And uh, I never say you shouldn't say that. I always encourage them to say whatever's on there. And then the adult needs to take care of it. So I'm just saying to the teachers out there, this is a time when there's going to be a lot more family secrets. And they probably have, you know, maybe recognized that already. Things they couldn't say because they might have headphones, but they can't talk when it's a shared room of 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 writing and all those things you know the parents are going to overhear everything what when they get to campus there's going to be a lot of decompression there's going to be joy and happiness the kids are back together there's going to be separation and division because we're still going to be masked and there's still going to be dividers i would assume but there's going to be a lot of need for kids to connect just on a a kid and a kid to adult and I can't believe we've gotten through this kind of a thing and, and my parents well, said reality this. changed. My parents said this, my parents said that. I mean, think of all, I, for me, teachers were a safe haven for me to talk about what happened at home. And even if I didn't talk about it, the teachers knew it. Mm -hmm. So they would spend that extra moment with me they would do all those things. And I'm sure the sensitivities of teachers, they could use just a little bit of, uh, here's what you do for some grief counseling. Right. And it's you don't, resources. And yeah. also some support for our teachers because they're going to be absorbing a lot. That's right. They're going to be taking some risks to go back to the schools. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot going on with that everywhere. But they're also going to be taking care of the kiddos and hearing the stuff that the kids, kids sometimes if they know families are grieving, don't share inside uh -huh. the family because they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Right. And so they may be storing some of this stuff up for when they can finally see their friends again or connect with their teacher again or see that vice principal again. Even if it's the vice principal they used to go to because they misbehaved. That's a, another grown up they can unload on that's not uh -huh. inside their family system. Uh -huh. so exactly. Be ready for that. Yeah. I'm not yeah. trying to look up teachers, uh, all of us and those of us who have teachers in our families, we need to be ready to catch those teachers when they get home from school because they're going to have caught a lot. Plus, they're going to yeah. be doubling down to try and catch everyone up. So, and just yeah. like a lot of us, well, as I was saying in the beginning, can you imagine how exhausted? Uh, I'm going to use this word loosely. Psychically, they are going to feel in those in the first month getting used to people around them again teachers right. are human too 
And they're not going to be in their own environments because at least out here, nobody's allowed to have anything on the walls in the classrooms. Mm-hmm. You can't share resources. So they can't say here, here's a favorite book. Why don't we, you can't do those things anymore. Mm-hmm. So, and that's all necessary and it's all good. But I think as even though uh, there's a lot of exhaustion nationwide with all of this, we need to make sure that we're being more sensitive to one another mm-hmm. and to those who are really serving in a variety of places in the right. front. Right, right. Reaching out, if you are feeling overwhelmed, there are therapists. They may have short wait lists, but there are therapists waiting for you. Right. And if you can't find one, contact Jill, contact me. Mm -hmm. You know, we might even be able to give you a couple hotlines or people for temporary. Right. Okay. All right, my friend, it is that time. And I've got a whiny blind dog who's yelling at me right now. Sorry for the noise in the background, folks. We'll be back next week. I hope that you will post some ideas for us to talk about because otherwise, as you know, we'll bring it up ourselves. That's right. All right. Thanks, everyone. I'll put this on my uh, Facebook page and Jill will do the same. I will. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.